Welcome. Let's stand up and worship the Lord today. I woke up in darkness, surrounded by silence. Oh, where, where have I gone? I woke to reality, losing its grip on me. Oh, where, where have I gone? Because I can see the light before I see the sunrise. You called and you shouted. I'm breathing in, breathing out. I'm alive again. You shattered my darkness, washed away my blindness. Now I'm breathing in, breathing out. I'm alive again. Late have I loved you, you waited for me, I searched for you, what took me so long? I was looking outside, as if love would never want to hide, I'm finding I was wrong. 
Cause I can feel the wind Before it hits my skin You call and you shouted Broke through my deafness Now I'm breathing in Breathing out I'm alive again You shattered my darkness Washed away my blindness Now I'm breathing in Breathing out I'm alive again I'm alive again Cause I want you Yes, I want you And I need you And I'll do whatever I have to Just to get through Cause I love you Yeah, I love you You called and you shouted Broke through my deafness Now I'm breathing in Breathing out I'm alive again You shattered my darkness Washed away my blindness Now I'm breathing in Breathing out I'm alive again Called me into the light, you called my name and 
is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. Your love is greater, your love is stronger, your love awakens, awakens, awakens me. And what a love we found, death can't hold us. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever bring we live for you we live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever say, Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever see. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. 
your name even more so by giving back to you as a portion of the many blessings that you've given to us. God, let us just continue standing in the worship of your name as we sing this great song and we recognize the God that um, you are mighty and you are awesome and you are great. And so God, everything that you do in our lives, through your son Jesus Christ, as we're going to talk about a lot about him and about freedom, that God, I recognize that in this room and in the sound of my voice, that there are people who have been bound to some things for many, many years, that they just feel chained to something. So, God, we just pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, they will break away. And at this time, we're just going to continue to worship and honor and glorify your name as we receive your tithe and our offerings. Lord, we pray that you will uh, just anoint them to further your ministry here and around the world. And that's what it is. It's your ministry. That, God, you will break chains all over this world in your mighty name. Amen. Oh, Lord, my God, 
God's good, right? All right. At this time, our children can go ahead and head out to their Sirline Sunday School. Greet one another and say hello.
Revelation 12, 10 through 11, the New Living Translation. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accusers of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Rainy fall day, huh? Fall's here, isn't it? Okay, great. All right, so what we want to do right now, we're going to go ahead and we're going to lift up in prayer some of our prayer requests that we have. And... Um, and just lift them up for our own uh, prayer list. Again, if you would like to be part of our, our prayer list that we send out, because we, we get several prayers during the week, sometimes just um, through the web and sometimes just in general, um, we can connect you to that. Just go ahead and do that on, on um, our, our webpage, and we'll make sure that you get connected, or info at havencc.org, and we'll make sure that you get connected. Um, Joanne has, asked, uh, has lifted up a praise for Harper's kidney functioning. Um, they're all staying at good levels and prayer for continued healing and God is great. So, um, prayers, uh, for the family of Kenny Sutton, um, Kenny Sutton, I know some of us in here went to school with Kenny. Kenny, uh, passed away this week at the age of 50. So we want to continue to lift his family in your prayers. And that family's had a lot of hardship over the last, uh, year. So we want to continue to pray for all of them involved. Joe Fleming, uh, uh, prayers for the family of Elijah Cummings. I'm going to lift that prayer up. Um, Joanna Shea, Robin Halabowski is having surgery this Wednesday to pray for uh, the great physician to keep her safe. And also um, for Donnie and Jackie um, for a new home um, and for Dennis and Jason for healing through addiction. Pray for all who are struggling with the uh, demon of addiction as it does take hold. And Trudy, her husband, stressed with his job, and Debbie, a friend with depression. So we want to lift them up. I, had, um, I also want to lift up a joy. Uh, yesterday I had an opportunity to uh, do a wedding for a, um, a, some students who, um, when they first started dating, I joked with them and said, hey, if this thing works out, I can marry you. And yesterday it came to fruition. So I, um, so I, I guess um, that's so that, and then there were several others there that said, hey, you can marry us too. So just kind of cool how God opens a door and, um, and things uh, happen in the midst of everything. So that's, that's a good thing. All right? Um, couple, uh, so let's just go to the prayer and lift up these uh, special needs. Lord God, we just want to go ahead and lift up all those. We thank you for um, just that little baby who uh, things are, are functioning properly. We want to pray for uh, all those who have been lifted up in your 
in your care, uh, particularly a few infants in this, uh, in this church that we know that have had some health issues. We pray that you continue to lead the doctors in the right way. Um, for those who are dealing with end-of-life things, with people who die at you know, 50 and other ages that just seem way too young. Um, for those who deal with addiction and looking at transitional things like new homes and, and new places of living, God, we, know, we pray that you, uh, you uh, place them in the right spot, that they can go ahead and get the, um, the freedom that they need. And today we're going to talk about freedom in you. And so, Lord, um, for that and all other things, uh, for those who deal with uh, anxiety and depression and stress and all those things, good Lord, we just go ahead and lift um, everyone up into your name, those even that we don't have even written down but that are in the sound of our voice, and for the joy of a young couple that's starting off in this world, and we know that's not, um, not very easy in this world to go ahead and make it. And so, Lord, we want to lift up and pray for them as they enter this new facet of life. That may, may you be the center point and just unite and further them more in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just pray for the rest of the service today that your, your Holy Spirit will speak to us. Speak to us things that we may have never thought of. Um, speak to us uh, and, give a, and make us just feel your presence and your love. For this and all things, we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says... Amen. All right, so a couple of things. Once again, um, you do have a, uh, I want to welcome anybody who's visiting with us today. Welcome. We want to welcome our church online. Everybody say, hi, church online. There you go. And say to the person next to you, hey, good seeing you. All right. Um, even if you don't believe it, do it. You're in church, okay? Um, but anyway, um, so again, we are, we are glad that, um, that you're connecting in. Uh, a couple things that we want to touch on today. Um, again, our church-wide uh, study is still going on. If you would like to connect to that, we would love to have you connect to our church-wide study. We'd love to go ahead, and we still have some books, correct? Debbie, we have some books, and we can tell you what uh, all the different groups that you can get connected into. It's a great way to meet people. Um, how many people connect? Just want to check. How many of you connected in a group this week? Was it painless? Okay, all right, good. You survived? You're still here, so I guess it was relatively painless. So, but we have several different groups we'd love for you to connect to as we're, um, we're dealing with um, what's next, and we'll talk more about that in our, in our series today. Um, our fall festival, our trunk or treat, we have, there is a, uh, we, we're excited about that. We always have a lot of fun. Um, what we're looking for now is people who want to sign up. We don't do it in the cars. We do it right in here, and we have tables where you can set up, and it's really, really fun. So, um, you just come and prepare and uh, bring any kids and all this kind of stuff. It's a, it's a good time. Um, anybody who's participated in that or Trunk or Treat, it gives you a kind of idea and you can decorate and um, the kids will have a blast and so will you. Um, so that will be next Sunday, the 27th. Isn't that crazy? October 27th. Here we are. Goodbye 2019 here pretty soon. And then last week we talked about Operation Christmas Child. All right, Operation Christmas Child, and again, I want to go ahead and bring that to you. Um, I we've had as high as 320, and I kind of put down the number of 300. I would love to see if we could get 300 because I don't just believe they're boxes. I believe that they are lives, they're children's lives that we can tell them. People around the world who have nothing, that box means the world to them, and that they can just say, "Wow, there is somebody who cares about me," and we all do it in the name of Jesus. That is an amazing, amazing gift. So I challenge each one of us to hey go ahead and do that, um, that we have the information out there um, where you can get the boxes. We just want to see them stacked up to the roof. Um, and if you can see, once again, that date is Sunday, November 10th. We need to have those um, brought back by. So, um, you know, hey, if you're at work and you say to people, hey, why don't you help us with this? I don't care where it comes from. Um, none of us care where it comes from. Let's just 
uh, change a child's life for, for Jesus. It may be the only time. You may be the, that box may be the one thing that gets them connected to Christ, all right? So I'm excited about that, and let's really um, make, make me sound stupid just for asking 300, okay? So um, that's not hard to make me sound stupid, but anyway, you get it. All right, so everybody good? All right, so I'm excited about this. We are in week um, number two of our What's Next series. This is a, a based off of a, uh, it's actually based off of scripture, but we're, we're basing it off of a, of a book that we're doing as a church-wide study, and we have, again, the study guides um, on, called What's Next, uh, your journey to find, because um, we're on a journey, we're on this uh, spiritual journey, doesn't matter where we are, even atheists are on a spiritual journey. Right, um, and we, we as believers believe it's the other side of the journey. But you're, you, there's a next step to everybody's journey. So, and what we want to do, we divide that in a couple different areas, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but God has a call for our lives, and. We need to be somewhere on that. No matter how long you've been around the church, there is some other area of that. And so this is in the scripture. It's throughout the scripture all the way through. But today I'm going to tell you I'm going to take a little different approach than what the book takes. And so because it's going to be a little bit heavier of a topic today, the way the Lord's led me, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to tell you a joke right away. You ready for this? All right, here we go. So I'm going to get you happy, and then we're going to get you sad, maybe, or maybe even elated. Who knows? So here we go. There was a famous heart surgeon, famous heart surgeon. He passed away, and at the funeral, they had his casket set out front, and behind it was this large heart, okay? And at that, the, uh, the, the pastor gave a really awesome sermon about who he was and how he, he really had his hands on the heart of many people and talked about the loving that he had. And the place was packed. And as it was packed, they went ahead and afterwards, after the funeral was over, they turned the casket sideways and they pushed it through the heart. And he went through. And people were like, oh, except for one man. One of the grievers started laughing and chuckling. And the person next to him elbowed him and said, what are you laughing about? He said, I'm thinking about my own funeral. And he said, what's so funny about that? He said, I'm a proctologist. <laughs> okay, all right. Good one, right? Okay, there you go. All right, that's what you get. And so many of us do our Christian faith maybe that way too, okay? So anyway, I didn't write them. I just gave it to you. All right, so here's where we go. What's next in our life? What is our next calling in the steps that we have here? All right. Our theme verse for our series is simply this from Proverbs. Look at what it says here. It says, if the people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. Another version or translation of this says, um, if there is no vision, the people perish, if they can't see. So have you ever walked around in the dark and you kind of stumble and hit things? You may be someplace you've gone before, but you may stumble and hit things. They stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, knowing what God reveals... In our lives. Some of you may say, my gosh, that first line, if you can't see what God's doing in my relationship, in my marriage, in my job, in, my, in, in just life, in my kids' life, you just stumble all over those areas. And so what we need to do is we need to see in God's revealed. And it says, those who do see what he reveals, they are the most blessed. And blessed doesn't mean they have stuff. Blessed in the Bible means the condition of your, of your soul, that your soul is, is in a good place that it's, it's right there, the condition of your soul, it's solid. And throughout the Bible, there are four things. The, old, the oldest place I found it was in Exodus, okay? But there are four areas of things that God wants for your life. 
and that he wants to display in your life and in this journey. And so you find it in Exodus. You find it throughout the Old Testament, the rest of the Old Testament. You find it that even Jesus shared it, and you find it as a culmination, as our verse today in Revelation says. And so we see several things here, and I want to go through some of these. Also, in Psalm 16, verse 11, this is what David said. He said, you will, uh, you will show me the way of life. In other words, the path of life that I'm supposed to be having. And, and what is that, that way of life? Granting me the joy of your presence. And then it says, and the pleasures are living with you forever. And so the joy and pleasure come from being in the presence of God on this spiritual journey in several different ways. And these four ways are this, and we talked about this one last week, about knowing God. Knowing God. And knowing God doesn't just mean like, hey, I know about God. Oh, hey, yeah, I, I was in uh, vacation Bible school. Oh, yeah, I went to Catholic school. I went to a Christian school, and I know God. No, this is, remember we talked the word is gnosko, and it means it's an intimate connection um, with God, something so intimate um, that, they, that the only other time they would talk about that was with a relationship between a husband and a wife. And Jesus said, I want you to know God that way. That's how I want you to know God. And so the other areas, um, what we're going to talk about today is simply this, finding freedom, finding freedom. And we're gonna, I'm not going to talk much about that right now, but today's topic is going to be about God's power comes from us being alive. So we know God, we get to also know and experience his power, and we don't need to keep that bondage in our lives. We want to get all of God because I really believe there are a lot of Christians and they are Christians who are going to heaven and they're waiting to experience that freedom in heaven and not experiencing it here. And so, but that's not what Jesus promised. He promised that life here already. So we're going to talk about when you get to know God and you get to get uh, all the benefits and one of those benefits is freedom in Christ. Next week, we will talk about discovering purpose, that you were you were created, you, uh, you are a purpose. You're created on purpose for a purpose. No matter what your mom said, you're not an accident. You are created on purpose for a purpose, okay? And God planned you and needed you and wants you and has this great calling on your life. No matter what age you are at, no matter what stage you're on this journey, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. So we are going to unpack that next week. And ultimately, the last thing that God wants us to do is to make a difference. And I talked about how even secular sociologists show that when people give back, when people make an influence and a difference in others' lives, they tend to live more fulfilled, happy, joyous lives, regardless of their personal circumstances. And so that'll be our last week that we'll have that way. So today what we're going to talk about is finding freedom. And one of the ways we, we try to do that is, you know, freedom from pain and problems. We try to do that with, it's, throughout the scripture. It's always with others. Uh, it says, if you confess your sins, doesn't say to God, to each other, okay? There's a, something about community where you build each other up, and that's what God intended for this. So in doing this, I want to do differently than the book talks about in finding freedom. So in a, in a couple weeks, you'll go ahead and you'll see that it's, it's a little bit different. But today I want to really, really unpack and talk about finding freedom in the cross of Christ. That's what I want to do. I want to really look at the cross of Christ and what Jesus went through um, in this and find freedom in this. And so we have this verse from 1 Corinthians that says this, for the message of the cross is what? 
Foolishness. Now you say, wait a second, how can it be foolishness? It is foolishness to those who are perishing. In other words, let's go back to last week. To those who don't gnosko God through Christ, this whole cross thing is foolishness. It's just a form of jewelry. It's something I put on the road when somebody else passes away. It is foolishness to me. It doesn't make sense. We start to look at it and say, ah, it's just nonsense, written by a bunch of old people back then, trying to make up stories. So it becomes this foolishness to people who are perishing. Why are they perishing? Because they don't know the life giver in Jesus Christ, as we talked about last week. But to us who are being saved, it is the what? Power of God. Because when you know Christ and you know God through Christ, you get to also experience the power of God. So when we look at the cross, we don't look at it as just, oh, that's a nice form of jewelry. Oh, that's a nice, that's sad that that person died on the road. No, we look at it as the means of our salvation, the thing that we are redeemed and separated from and the chains break at the cross. And that's what we're going to talk about today. All right. Sound good? Because that's what I got. Because what we learn here is there is power. In the blood, there is power, power, where's my Baptist? Wonder-working power, right? Remember this song, in the what? In the blood of the lamb, all right? And that is what we are going to share about today, the importance of the power of the blood of the lamb. And that's why this verse was our verse for today from Revelation chapter 12 and what it says. Then I, this is at the end of all, it all, end of everything. And it says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens, it has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. Now, here's the thing, and here's the thing here. You can receive that now. We don't have to wait till the end times. You can receive salvation. I think many of us have been told, get salvation, and we need that. But somewhere along the line, we forgot that there is power and authority in Christ. And where does that, what does it say? It says, the accuser, who is Satan, the devil, of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And look at look at what happened here. And they have been defeated, they have defeated him by what? By the blood of the Lamb and their testimony. There is power in the blood of the Lamb. And it all happened because of Christ on the cross. Right? And just a, a side note, if you're, not, if you're one of those people kind of stay away from Revelation, Jesus for eternity bears the scars forever for the healing of you and me, okay? So just, just open your hearts and hear what God wants to tell you today. You see, the devil has been defeated by the blood of the lamb because there is power in the blood. And that's why, so I want to I take you on a journey into the crucifixion. Not, in, not around Easter, which we stay there, but this is something that we should be dealing, recognizing every day. So the Thursday night before the, what we call Good Friday, and it was only Good Friday because it's good for us. It was, it was a living hell for him. All right? They met at a Jewish Seder meal in an upper room. They, that's where they broke bread and they gave it to his disciples and, and all those kinds of things. And Judas... Jesus tells him, go do what you need to do. He goes away. Judas goes ahead and tells the priest, tells the people, hey, this is where you can find him. You can find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's, we know on the other side, Jesus and his disciples, they say, sing a hymn. They walk out. 
through the valley. They come up. They go into the Garden of Gethsemane. He tells, he has disciples with him. He takes the big three with him, Peter, James, and John, say, hey, stay here and pray and don't fall asleep. Jesus goes and prays, and he's in such agony because he knows what he's going to have to face. Have you ever had a situation in your life where you know something's coming that ain't good? Where you've just spent time worrying You spent time frustrated. You spent time in your mind. Just you can't get your mind off of it. You're in agony. You're you're just distracted. And Jesus does what we should do. Go before God. And in that part, we learned that he was in such stress and agony, agony, looking about what he was going to face, that the sweat droplets of mixed with droplets of blood, and it is a medical condition that talks about when you're in such stress level, the blood vessels in your head break and mixed with sweat, and dropped to the ground. And scripture records that. And he only comes back out a couple more times to find out that the disciples that he trusted in were tired and they fell asleep. And he said, how long am I going to be here? Wake up, wake up. And he did that. And the last time he comes, he said, look, here comes my accuser. And here came Judas with his soldiers in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so he's arrested And after he's arrested, Jesus goes through trials all night long, all night long. There's what we know that were six different trials. First of all, he went to Annas, then to Caiaphas. Um, Then he was before the Sanhedrin. Then he went to Pilate. Pilate sent him to Herod, and Herod sent him back to Pilate. So he went through all those trials. Just to let you know, that was a travesty of, of justice, even the Jewish People of today who are scholars say this was done improperly and wrong. You should never have this done. And that brings us to this point where we're here, where we have this verse that says what they they could do. Can you bring that up there, Melinda, from Matthew? It says, the chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. You see, they didn't just want him to go away. They wanted him away, away, because he was creating such a problem for them. And it says... um, But they did not find any. And what you find out throughout that night, they brought false witnesses in front uh, to say one thing and then the next. And up to this point, Jesus said nothing at this point. Nothing at this point. Now, here's what we have. Then it says, then they said, through several of these trials, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And Christ means the anointed one, the one who can remove the sin from the world, the one who is the Messiah, the only one to take the bondage out of your life. Now, through all this, Jesus has remained quiet. Scripture says he was like a lamb, a sheep to the slaughter. He just kept quiet throughout the whole thing. At this point, they said, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he says, yes, it is as you say. It is exactly as you said. I am the Son of God. And then, in, then what they did, they spit in his face and they struck him with their fist, and others slapped him. You see, when Jesus says, yes, I am the Christ, it does not allow for anybody, although culture thinks that you can go ahead and say, oh, I don't believe Jesus is the Son of God, but what I do think is he's a good teacher. It doesn't allow for that. Um, I, I, I think Jesus has some good things, but I don't believe in this. No, you got to take him as a whole or not at all. And so here's what we have. You can take him three ways, which C.S. Lewis, the great, um, the great writer and apologist and theologian said. He said you can take him as the biggest liar that ever existed or the biggest lunatic that ever existed. And if so, guess what? All of Western civilization is based off of a liar and a lunatic. 
or you got to take him at his word that he is the savior of the world. You can't take him, a little bit of him here and there like the world thinks. You can't. Jesus does not allow for that. When he says, I am exactly who you say I am, you have to take him at his word or say he's a liar and a lunatic in every single way. You see, Jesus had the worst death possible in all of history. I always wondered, he could have come at any time. Like if he had come today, maybe he would have had an electric chair or lethal injection right? Why did he pick this time in history? I think that he chose that time when execution was the worst to show the entire span of his love for us. And what I want to share with you now is there's this one verse that's going to shape the rest of our me- this message today from Isaiah. And it is 800 years before Jesus' crucifixion. And God gave um, gave uh, Isaiah the exact picture of what would happen to Jesus. And here it is here in Isaiah 53. And it says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And I'm going to share with you what, that, what that's about. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, or some versions say by his stripes, we are healed. These are what I want to refer to as the four wounds of the crucifixion. It's what Jesus went through for you and me. And in each of those areas, Isaiah saw this 800 years before. Now think about this. We've been around as a country for 200 so years. Multiply that by four. That's where Isaiah saw what happened to Jesus before that time. It didn't just happen to Jesus, but he did it for you and for me. And a lot of times, even in the Christian church, we have dumbed down what Jesus went through and the extent of his love to make us feel better. But we really need to embrace the love that Christ has for us that sets us free. See, many of us are going to heaven because we've accepted Christ, but we haven't experienced the the full power of Christ by releasing us from the bondage that we have in life. And so I'm going to go through this list and share with you some things that Christ did, and I'm going to put them in chronological order, and this is not the chronological order, okay? We'll give him a break since it was 800 years, okay? Um, But we're going to go ahead and take this. So the first step in the crucifixion, uh, after Jesus was done the trial, the first step in this process is they would have taken him outside and placed him on a short, large stone and that he would have been strapped around, and it would have been the scourging part of that. With this, it was um, a, what they would believe a cat. It was a whip, and that's what we're going to talk about, the whip. It was a cat of nine tails. It wasn't just a regular whip. And with this whip, intertwined in the leather and also maybe some horse hair, were bits of uh, bone, glass, and sharp uh, stone. And it was there for a reason. And Tactius, the Roman, the, uh, the Roman historian, tells us how good these people were at, execu- at executing this area without killing somebody. Sometimes they would um, if they got out of control. And so they would, you know, when we, also, when we often see somebody whipping, we usually see them like, like this. But what would happen is they would take that leather, that bone, that... Um, that sharp rock that was intertwined, and they would dip it in water. 
to make it heavier. Anybody seen how heavy, like if you left a baseball glove outside and it got soaking wet, how heavy it becomes? They would drench it in water, and you would have the person like this, and then they would take two hands and over top. And often what it would do, they would hit here, so it would lap, it would, um, you know, lap over like this, and then they'd, when they pull, it would tear. And there would be 13 on this side, 13 on this side, and then down the middle of the spine. And I'm going to tell you the reason for that in a, little, a little bit later. And they, it was 39 lashes because 40 was a death wish. 30 was the way they did it. So they would do 39, and they were skilled how they could go ahead and do this. Very, very skilled in this area. Okay? So what we see here is we see the whip. We see the whip. And so what is the whip for? For freedom in your body because Isaiah told us, by his stripes, it's for your healing. For healing in the body. That Jesus took the pain upon his body and the stripes upon his body so you and I would not have to. And so why did he do that? For your healing. For yours and my healing. So you say Jesus still heals today? Yes, he does. Now you say, okay, Jack, well, why doesn't he heal everybody? Here it is. Here's the answer. I don't know. I don't have a clue. What I do know, though, that I have prayed for people and I've been around people and I've seen them have diagnosis where doctors and other staff are baffled and have no clue how things disappeared. And I've also been in situations where they've had cancer and other things come back and they died. And so what I do know is God heals on earth, but ultimately heals in heaven. And so I know that people who I prayed for to get better, people that I love, that passed on this world, I'm going to see them again because of their faith in Christ. And so I don't understand why, not, why everybody's not just healed. I guess heaven would be an empty place. But I know that God loves us and that he promises and he still heals today. First Peter 2 says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And look what he says. And by his wounds you have been healed. Notice the past tense. You see Isaiah saying, by his wounds we are healed because he's looking forward. But Peter's looking backward and saying, no, no, by every single one of those stripes, by all 39, you are healed in the name of Jesus. So somebody here today may have something physical. Somebody watching may have something that's going on in their body. Guess what? By those 39, you have been healed according to Scripture. After this, the Romans did something that was different. They took them to this area, the Praetorium, which was kind of like the, uh, the chill-out place for Roman soldiers, just where they would hang, hang out. And they were a little bit frustrated with him because the charge that Jesus was killed for was, it said, king of the Jews, and there was only one king, Caesar. So for this guy who's here with his back all bloody and, and, and this way, to, and being a Jewish person in this area, to say he is a king, ticked off the Roman soldiers. So they said, let's have some fun with him. So they brought him into this area and they grabbed a purple robe, purple being the, the symbol of royalty. They covered him with this purple robe and then they blindfolded him and they, said, they began to hit him in the face, began to hit him with their fists and with a rod and say, hey, 
prophesy to us who hit you, king. Come on, if you're the son of God, let's hear this. And they were having a good old time with that. And then they got kind of bored maybe. And so one of the soldiers is over there and in this area of of Israel. Um, I've been in Bethlehem, which is a few miles outside of, of the area. There are thorns that just grow up out of the ground, and they grow somewhat to about, um, to about two inches long, okay, on these thorns. They're not like little stickers that we have. And so this guard over here decides to start fashioning a crown. So the king needs a crown, right? Let's get him a crown. And then when they did that, it says, and you know, even when we touch it, we put it on crosses and we do things, we place it there. And they shoved it down on his head. So not only the blood came out, but it also put a pressure and stuck into his, his head. And yet he still kept silent. So what do we have here? We have the thorns. The thorns bring freedom in my mind. What did Isaiah say here? The punishment that was upon him brought us peace. Where do we always have no peace? Right here. You know, life could be good and wonderful, but if your mind's not there, if you have no peace in your mind, your whole life's not full of peace. Anxiety, depression, we've lifted up some people for that already. If you're worrying all the time and you're fearful all the time, that all originates here where you have no peace in your life. And Jesus did not just come for us to go to heaven, but to release us from that, to take it from us. John 14 says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is when he's getting ready to take off. After he's had the resurrection, he's like, hey, my peace this is before the crucifixion, but he's saying, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives because the world tells you it's peaceful and it's not. What does he say? Do, so guess what? Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. One of the things is, this verse I have said a billion times, a billion times. You know what I mostly say it? At funerals. But I got to tell you, most of my life that has no peace is while we're living. It's not only in loss. Actually, for the person, if I knew that they were Christian, yeah, I'm going to miss them, but I have peace in my life because I know where they are. The peace that I struggle with is the daily living of life. That it has me bound in certain areas of my life. Anybody with me here today? And so what I recognize is that crown of thorns that was shoved into his skull brought me peace but I just haven't accepted it as I am so in taking Jesus there we learn that he does not give as the world gives Isaiah 26 said you will keep him in perfect peace how many of you would love to have perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you the mind that is focused on God the mind that is there on you because he trusts you. How many of us trust God so much that we can keep our eyes and our minds so focused on God? The crown for his pain so that I wouldn't have to deal with it. I wouldn't have to embrace it. You know, I, I tend to be a happy-go-lucky kind of guy, right? I tend to like be, you know, the, the uh, you know, when I go into place, I'm like, boom, let's have fun. I find fun everywhere I am, all right? But if I'm honest with you here, there have been many, many times in my life that I've experienced loneliness in a room full of people, depression and anxiety to levels 
that I felt like Elijah when he said, hey, why don't you just come take me out? And I understand that. Years ago, I didn't understand it, but then I understand it. That there's just, in your mind, you can't get away from it. And everything can be wonderful, but there's something going on in there. But Jesus came to give me release from that. He took that on him, the punishment on him, so that I don't have to deal with that all the time. And I believe that you need counselors and medication and all that kind of stuff. I believe those are for God. But I also need to know that he came to give me a fullness of life, and I'm bound to some things many, many times. All right? After this, the Romans had, uh, they brought him back in to the regular area, to the public area, and they began to walk him down. They had this kind of, kind of way, and some of our pictures are wrong on this area. What they would do, they had these stationary, like large kind of railroad tie, even bigger areas that were stationary outside in this area called Golgotha, which was outside the city, um, which many people believe was like a garbage dump area. Okay? And it would have been on a road so that everybody could see what happens if you mess with the Roman government and they put that title as the title up top. And so, but what they would do is they'd have you carry your cross. So it would have been the crossbar that you would carry. And just to let you know, that crossbar was roughly 75 to 100 pounds. Now, go back to what happened first of all. The scourging um, 39 times on his shoulders and his back wide open, and he has to carry that rough, rough, rough thing across his back because they would tie it onto him, and basically you, you would barely be able to pick it up considering everything else he dealt with from this point. When they got you there, they would, um, they would get you on that one and, it would, and in this case, nail you in your hands. Many scholars and many people have done studies over the years that, um, and just to let you know, for Romans, you ever see those Roman movies where they go ahead and go, Hello, Spartacus, or whatever, you like that? Because they believe that the hand was from the elbow to the tip of the fingers, okay? We go hand, wrist, forearm, elbow. This was all hand for them. So when it says he was nailed in his hands, most scholars believe, and they've proven actually doing studies with cadavers, that they would nail in to the wrist because if you did in the hands, they would rip out. So nailing into the wrists would put you in this, in this area. They would also go ahead and turn you sideways and nail your feet across each other in like a scrunched area so that when you had to breathe, you would have to either push up on the nails in your feet or lift up on the nails in your hand. Again, against a rough area which was already done to your back. Horrific, right? Absolutely horrific in this area. And so you did not die by blood loss. Actually, the spikes actually kept from blood loss. Most people, because you couldn't keep pulling yourself up, you would, you would suffocate because you couldn't keep breathing in this area. And so breathing up and down, you got tired and did that. So this next thing that we have are the nails. Freedom in my hands and my feet. Look, it says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. You know what's interesting about your hands? Everything, everything you've ever done with your hands. Every place you've ever gone have been with your feet. And what does it say? He died for our transgressions. The nails. That means those areas of life where you've gone too far where you shouldn't have been, he paid for those price with your feet. You've gone too far in an area, 
that you shouldn't have gone in. Or, hey, you did something that you shouldn't have done. He paid for that. You know, all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. But here's the cool thing. Jesus took it all upon the cross with his hands and his feet. See, Jesus brings freedom in every area you've ever had and experienced. I've had people before tell me, hey, you know, you don't know what I've done. And you know what I say? I don't care. If you want to tell me, that's fine. But guess what? Jesus paid it. Well, what about Jesus paid it? Well, wait, you don't know where I went. Jesus paid it. Guess what? But you didn't know this thing. Jesus paid it. That's it. It's like the old hymn. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but guess what? He nailed his hands and his feet to the cross for you and for me, for all those areas where we did something we shouldn't have done, where we went someplace we haven't done. And we like to rank them in life, but in Christ's eyes, it's all the same. The nails took care of it all. And that's why in Revelation, the Lamb of God, Jesus, still has the scars for the healing of the nations, for the world, for the people in the world. These nails bring us freedom. You see, Jesus came, yes, to forgive you, but he came to do more. He doesn't only forgive you, but scripture says he wants to remember them no more. Remember them no more. Look what it says here in Hebrews. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. Now, many of us are good at forgiving. Anybody feel like you're a good forgiver? Like you forgive people? Um, have you ever been in an argument with somebody who's forgiven, but they ain't forgotten? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you say, you go, I forgive you. You're like, oh, thank you. Oh, that's awesome. I, I appreciate it. And then the next time something happens, yeah, but you, and you're like, I thought you forgave that. Yeah, but I ain't forgotten. That's not God. Scripture actually tells us this. This is how cool it is. Not only did he suffer like this and nail his hands and feet to the cross for what we've done, but when we go to him, he forgives us. And when we bring it up, Scripture says we grieve him that we brought it up. Because we're basically saying the nails in your hands and your feet weren't good enough to forget this. And he says, no, they were. They were. Trust me, they were. In Hebrews chapter 9, one of the reasons why we can't forget is because these minds don't want don't to let it go. And listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 9. Just think how much more the what? The blood of Christ will purify our what? Consciousness from the sinful deeds. So what we can do? Worship the living God. I don't know about you, but if I'm, if I'm weighted by all my sin... And I seek forgiveness for God, but I keep going back there, and I come into this place, and I start to worship. I don't feel in a worship mood, considering I've done something horrific, something from God. And we have lived in churches and life far too long as saved Christians, but not free Christians. And so we are free because the blood of Christ purifies us and our consciousness so we can let it go. And stop grieving God so that we can worship him. One of the things he's saying, let it go so you can worship me. I want your full worship. I want everything that you got. I want that worship. Let it go and worship me in the way that I need you to. Some 
have forgiven, believe in Jesus, but still you carry around your shame, your guilt, your doubt, and Jesus wants you to be free here today. He wants you to say, look, my hands are nailed. My feet are nailed, and that's for you, so let it go. I have. Let it go. After this, says Jesus hung on the cross till the ninth hour. That would have been 3 p.m. Some people would hang there even for days. Sometimes when the Romans were really in the mood, they would let people hang there for days and let vultures come and pick their flesh. And oftentimes when they hung there and the Romans were kind of bored with doing, they had two methods of doing things. Because remember, you had to breathe by pulling your hands up or lifting off your feet. And so they would do one of two things. They either had a, um, a mallet where they would just break the legs so you couldn't pull yourself up anymore. Or they would make sure you're dead that way if you didn't move too much. That they would take a, like a big crowbar and push against the cross and snap them from the back and say, yep, they're dead. Or, oops, they're not dead yet, but they will be soon. But they didn't do that with Jesus. They saw him. We were told that Jesus gave out a loud cry. And they were told that a soldier went and grabbed and he took a spear. And by looking up, he went ahead, right up through him. And scripture tells us that blood and water flowed out. So how did Jesus die? It wasn't blood loss. Was it pain? No. Was it suffocation? No. What medical science tells us is his heart ruptured. What Jesus died of was a broken heart. One that was shattered. Giving out that loud cry, his heart exploded in that moment. So Isaiah reminds us that the spear gives me freedom in my heart. His heart was crushed for our iniquities. Crushed for our iniquities. And I understand this because I've had my heart broken. I've had my heart broken when someone I love died very suddenly. I've had my heart broken when people have cut me out of their lives. I've had my heart broken in a disappointment. Some of you may have had your heart broken in divorce or had your heart broken um, in a wayward child or some kind of loss in business or something like other way. You've had your heart broken. And Jesus knew that you and I would go through this broken heart. You see, he experienced it all. He did it so that I'd have healing in my body. That I would have peace in my mind. That my hands and feet would be free to do the work that he's called me to do. But one of the things that I think that we all need, is many of us need our joy back. We need our hearts healed. He was crushed so that we don't have to be. Look at what it says in Psalm 147. 
He heals the brokenhearted. And he does what? Binds up their wounds. As our worship team comes up today, I want you to hear this, that, that Jesus, there's a reason for each one of these. The whip giving us freedom in our body so that those sicknesses and infirmities, they don't bind us. We can be released from that because he took the stripes. The thorns, we can free our minds from worry and everything because guess what? He who holds, he, he holds me in the palm of his hand holds the future. The nails in his hand, the nails in his hands and his feet have freed me from my sin. There's nothing that I can do that is too bad to keep me from Jesus or doing what he's called me to do. And ultimately his heart broke, broke so that mine doesn't have to. This is true freedom in Christ. And for us to only stop with the salvation, we're denying what Jesus did on the cross. We're denying the reason why he came. He said, the scripture tells us, when the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. So let's just stand and worship the Lord. Because guess what? He wants us free so that we can worship him. Worship him like you never had. Worship the Lord who gave his life for you. Worship the, the Savior who took the stripes upon his back. Worship the Savior who took the thorn of crowns upon his head to free your mind. Worship the Savior who took the nails in his hands and his feet so that you could be free from whatever you have done or wherever you've gone that he hasn't intended. And ultimately, his heart was broken so that yours can be restored. His name is Jesus. And he is awesome, and he is awesome and lovely. In Jesus' name, amen. God, I give you what I can today. The scattered ashes that I hid away, I lay it all at your feet. From the corners of my deepest shame, the empty places where I've worn your Show me the love, I say I believe, help me to
Next week, I I usually don't announce this because I remember when I was a young pastor, I would announce communion and people would not show up. (laughs) It's true. If you heard what you heard today, we have communion next week and you don't want to partake of it, you need a heart check because he laid it down for you. So next week, we're having communion. And I just want to say, lay it down. Lay all that stuff down in your life for the, for the one who laid it down for you. That's all he wants is you to lay it down, to experience him in a new and more powerful way, to receive his power and to receive his freedom and let those chains fall just where they, where they fall, all right? Okay, so a um, couple things. Next week, next week we um, are having our, our, next, uh, our next one, and you can have it up here, right, Melinda? You got it here? Um, I was made for this, and you all be praying for this today. As the Eagles take on the Cowboys. There you go right there. All right, got to bring some humor to it. All right, go Eagles. Uh, Have a great day. God bless. See you next week. There's power in Carson Wentz. Hallelujah.